Good morning, ladies and gents. It is Wednesday, April 6, 2022. This is Blues Views with some intraday comments for you. So the theme of the day today is duration. Uh, that's been a theme for the last few months, but today uh, it's really being thrown into sharp relief. I've been spending most of the morning doing technical analysis on a lot of the um, longer duration bond ETFs. So TLT, EDV, TMF, um, you know, pretty much these are all U.S. bond ETFs that hold treasuries with a duration of pretty much more than seven years. Um, and then I also was looking just at the generic 10 U.S. 10 year yield, the chart of that um, and the 10 year futures. Uh, so the price chart, uh, 10 year futures price chart. And we are seeing major technical breakdowns across the board. On the 10-year yield side, <clears throat> we are breaking above a 35-year downtrend line. Uh, now, look, I mean, it's still early in the day. It's still still two days, two and a half sessions to go in the week. We've seen vicious reversals in these things before. But remember, the Fed is not there anymore on the bid. They're not, they're not buying. They're not there to soften the blow. Treasury volatility, Looking just looking at the move index right now. Uh, let me pull it up here because I haven't looked at it in a little bit. It just keeps rocketing higher. We're getting closer and closer to those March 2020 levels in the move index. And it's been high for a while. And usually what you see when uh, when you get a move this sharply high in the, in the move index is, is a rapid collapse. And we haven't seen that. We've seen a consolidation like chop, which basically suggests to me that the market is saying this volatility is here to stay, at least for the time being. And that's being confirmed by what we've seen today, uh, well, not today, but what we've seen this week in these charts. Again, these extended duration bond ETFs, the 10-year Treasury futures chart, the 10-year yield chart, all showing major technical events. Uh, and none of them are bullish for bonds. <laughs> the only ETF I could find, the TLT ETF still has a little ways to go. It's still above, It's uh, it's like, I think it's a, let me pull the chart up here real quick. So I'm not talking out of my rear. Uh, okay. So there's an uptrend line going back to 2010. Um, and that trend line has yet to be tested, but we're very, very close to it. But the bottom line here is simply this, that uh, I think there are a lot, I think most market participants have become so complacent when it comes to yields and so used to thinking that yields can't possibly go much higher from here. I mean, you know, a while back, people thought it was a lot of people thought it was nuts that we would even break 2% on the 10 year, you know, everyone is so locked into this notion that the Fed's going to fix it, the Fed's going to put their thumb on the scales, deflation is still I mean, yes, deflation is still a, a concern longer term, there's no question. So I mean, I think that the most important thing we can do for ourselves right now today is talk about what's really driving this rocket higher in bond yields. It's not inflation. Okay, like inflation is well understood. Break-evens have been moving higher. Okay, so I don't want to, I should, I should revise what I just said. It's, it's not all inflation. Okay, Break-evens have been moving higher as inflation expectations become more and more anchored. Uh, I shouldn't even say anchored. Um, that, gives, that gives off the semantic impression that they're under control. Inflation is taking root in the American public's psyche. The Fed has acted spinelessly to this point. What it did last month by only hiking 25 basis points with the two-year yield already above 2%, hiding behind 
the Russia-Ukraine situation, a war, a war halfway around the world that was well contained to a small area. Yes, it had had an impact on oil prices. Um, yes, it had had an impact on, on equity prices. The fact of the matter is, is that it was a bogus thing for them to hide behind. It was a BS excuse for them to take the easy way out and kick the can down the road another couple of months. They go into the March meeting knowing that they've got two months until the next meeting. Let's see if we can get away with 25 here. We'll talk about Russia, Ukraine. We'll talk about the economy. You know, it's strong, but it looks like it might be whatever it is, right? They took the easy way out. And I think that is one of the reasons why you are seeing break-evens rise rapidly and bond yields rise rapidly as well. It is a combination of inflation. The market is now looking at this going, the Fed is not doing its job. And now inflation expectations are, they're really taking root in the public's consciousness. And so break-evens need to move higher to adjust for that. Um, and you mean, you've got 10-year break-evens now up at about 2.8%, something like that. I haven't looked at them in a couple of hours. Let me pull them up. I'll tell you exactly where they are. 10-year break-evens, 2.84%. All right. So, I mean, and the, obviously the yield in the 10-year treasury is catching up rapidly, only about 20 basis points below that now. All right. But this, it's important to acknowledge that this is, it's certainly these, these increases in rates are certainly not about growth. When, you know, in a, in a reflationary environment where growth is accelerating and bond yields are moving higher to factor in higher growth expectations, that's a great thing. That's good for pretty much everything, but the most rate sensitive stocks like utilities. Okay. Utilities are always going or are probably always going to perform very, very poorly in a reflationary environment with rising rates and rising growth expectations. There's really no reason to own them, right? That's not what we're seeing at all here, okay? We are seeing this is a very much a stagflationary. It's a stagflationary environment in general because inflation still has not shown any real signs of decelerating. The comps, yes, they're getting harder. Yes, it probably will start to decelerate here in the next couple of months. But right now, like the expectation a few months ago is that I, I, it seemed to me as if it was like inflation would already have dropped 200, 250 basis points by now. And it hasn't. It's kept accelerating. We'll see what the CPI data looks like next week. But, you know, people don't really need the CPI data to know that inflation is it, it's not going away. Um, I, I posted a a chart earlier from B of A in, in the Twitter feed showing the the monstrous increase in food, in the pr prices of some foodstuffs. I mean, whether it's food, whether it's shelter, uh, whether it's energy, I mean, pretty much across the board, wages, inflation is still exerting tremendous upward pressure. And again, yes, the comp's going to get easier here in the next few months. We probably will see it top out a bit. But again, I've been saying for a couple of months now, and I stand by this completely, the debate stopped being about the second derivative months ago. Everyone knew months ago that in Q2, we were going to see inflation fall off. That we were going to see that second derivative turn negative. It was going to decelerate. The debate for the last few months, uh, last few months now has really been about the third derivative, the rate of change of the rate of change. How quickly does it decelerate? And the Fed is a monumental failure by that measure. It had an opportunity for the last four months to step in aggressively and let the market know we are going to get this thing under control. It should have started hiking rates back in December. At the latest in December, it did nothing. It just jawboned. January, 
they should have hiked. They should have hiked 25 in December and another 25 in January, if not more. They did nothing. They just jawboned again. They kicked the can down the road two more months. Then we get to March. We have a, you know, a real a regional conflagration at the border of Europe and Asia that really has very little impact on the U.S. economy overall. They hid behind it. They hiked the minimum they possibly could, and they kicked the can down the road for another two months. That is why we are seeing bond yields explode to the upside. Okay, this is what I taught when I talk about the term premium reemerging. This is what I'm talking about. This is not being, I mean, yes, break evens are, are going higher. That is part of the formula, but it's also a lack of confidence in the Federal Reserve. This is a vote of no confidence. The market is saying we do not believe that they have the chops to step in and do what is necessary to get inflation under control. And every week that goes by that the Fed doesn't get inflation under control, inflationary, uh, the inflationary psychology of the public becomes more and more entrenched. All right. So this is the worst possible reason to see rates rise. <laughs> As I said, when rates are rising because we're in a growth, reflationary growth environment, that, that's a good thing. It's a good thing. This is the worst possible kind of move in rates. Again, this is about this is ultimately about the creditworthiness of the United States. It is about the, the confidence in the Federal Reserve to defend the dollar, to defend our, our whole system. And the market right now is saying, we don't think that the Fed is going to do uh, what's required. Or if they do, they're going to act too late. So the Fed, the market doing what well, this is what the market does. It takes matters into its own hands. It's basically telling the Fed, taking the two by four and hitting the Fed in the head with it and saying, you guys better snap out of it because this is getting out of control. Now, cycling back to what I was saying about the technicals, okay? Like, you know, I'm very big on technical analysis. I know some people think it's voodoo. Some people think it's total nonsense, and that's fine. Technical analysis, in my view, in, the, in combination with fundamental and quantitative analysis, technical analysis is, in my view, absolutely priceless, okay? And the technical analysis right now, because remember, everyone is watching these trend lines and moving averages, okay? They become self-fulfilling prophecies. And because technical levels, important resistance and support levels become self-fulfilling prophecies, they, they gain vast importance. <laughs> Everyone knows where these lines are. And pri the, the, the prices of these bond ETFs, the prices of the 10-year treasury future are plummeting below these key trend lines. There has been no rush to step in and support these prices, despite the fact that for the last you know, in the case of the 10-year yield, this is a, a chart going back 35 years. A 35-year downtrend in rates is starting to give way, and there just isn't any demand. I mean, I can't overemphasize what a big deal this is. Now, again, it's still early. You know, we still have a few hours left in the session. We've still got a few sessions left in the week. These things might reverse. People might step in and say, hey, enough is enough. Bonds are starting to offer value right now. But the fact that we've even gotten this far is truly remarkable, okay? I mean, buying the dip in treasuries has been an even better trade than buying the dip in stocks over the last 40 years, right? That trade is now failing for the first time in 40 years. You are now getting killed 
I mean, I know a lot of smart people with their, I mean, we use a Git model too. There's Git practitioners out there who have been preaching, hey, we're going into, you know, quad four deflation. You're supposed to be buying treasuries here. They've been getting killed. They're getting chewed up and spit out. Okay. And we're now, I mean, I know a lot of people again for the last couple of weeks, at least have been sitting there saying, you know, rates have really moved quite a ways here. It's probably some good value in there. Maybe people, you know, we, we should step in and buy some bonds here. People are talking about it, but not enough people are actually doing it. There has been no rush. Like to look at the 10 year, which is now yielding 2.6%. It looks very clear to me based on the technicals that not many people think that 2.6%, even though it's 120 basis points better than I, I forget where the 10 year was going into the, let's see, where was it going into the year? It was at, it was at 1.4%. So 120 basis points in premium. No one wants them or not enough people want them. This is a very powerful message that the market is sending us right now. And again, this I think primarily is about the Fed dragging its feet and about the market saying, you guys are completely blowing it. We have no confidence in you. Foreigners for the longest period of time have been I mean, essential to our whole scheme, to the entire global financial scheme, which is the U.S. runs a massive current account deficit and foreigners finance our, our twin, you know, our, our deficit, our budget deficit, our trade deficit, et cetera, right? We saw this phenomenon over the last couple of years where instead of buying treasuries, people started buying tech stocks because they were acting like treasuries and they offered more upside. And when, you know, when the Fed is printing money like crazy, yeah, it's understandable. You would want to own uh, the you know, high quality growth stocks rather than boring old treasuries, especially when treasuries have been suppressed the way that they have. The yields have been suppressed. And that's another thing. I think people are underestimating just how much the Fed has had their thumb on the scales regarding yields for the last 14 years. Uh, so, you know, we are seeing the, the rate of change here in terms of what's going on with yields and why they're moving higher is outpacing the markets, uh, or at least many market participants' ability to grasp what's driving it. And, and these are really the kinds of dangerous situations where things are just happening too fast and people aren't adjusting to the reality, the underlying reality. And that is why I think, you know, looking at the technicals, looking at what's going on here, I think there's a good chance that we are only at the beginning of a major move, a, a continuation higher in rates. Forget about the 10, the 10 years already at 2.6%. Start thinking about the 10 year at three and a half percent, because from, from where I'm sitting, what I'm looking at on, on these charts, if I was just doing this based on technicals alone, I would sit there and tell you the 10 years probably heading to three and a half, four percent. There aren't many people out there who are prepared for that. They're so used to the Fed having its thumb on the scales. They're getting trapped in this, I think, QE era recency bias, which has it that yields in the US can't possibly rise that much more. You know, they always come back down. But again, you know, that mentality of, hey, every time you get a, you know, a significant spike in US yields, just go in and buy the dip in treasuries. It's been a winning trade for 40 years. All of a sudden, we're at a key moment here where that trade might be failing for the first time in several decades. All right. So we're at the 15 minute mark. I'm going to leave it at that, but just food for thought for what's going on here. Don't get, don't get uh, too tied up. Like, it, does it make sense to go in here and start nibbling on some long-term treasuries? For, for sure. 
especially if you're, you know, this is part of a long-term investment portfolio, like the chances are is that there's a decent chance that at some point in the future, rates are going to collapse again. I'm not saying that that's not going to happen, but we could have quite an upheaval before we get to that point. And at this point, you know, if rates, because remember, everything is about rate of change. So as rates move higher this rapidly, it actually makes it more likely that we will see deflation in the not too distant future. And it makes it more likely that rates will collapse again. So again, there are reasons to go in and start nibbling on long-term treasuries. I'm not saying that there aren't. All I'm saying is that not many people seem to be, to have their minds wrapped around the possibility that this parabolic move, well, this move in rates is starting to look like it could go parabolic. Not many people seem to have their minds wrapped around the possibility that it could indeed go parabolic here. And I think that's something that we have to respect. And right now, I am seeing no reason whatsoever to be in a rush to buy longer duration bonds. All right, we'll talk to you again tomorrow.